0: Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Minds. My name is John and that's Ian.
1: Hey, what's going on everybody?
0: So today is January 18th, 2017. Uh, This is episode 46, A Tale of Two Pre-Release Perspectives.
1: Yeah, so kind of just touching on that briefly before we get into a little bit. Uh, John is a judge, as we mentioned before. So, he's going to give his perspective from the judge side. And I ended up playing Two Headed Giant. So, it was a little kind of different from like your normal sealed pre release. And we'll talk about why it's Two Headed Giant's a little bit different at even pre release Two Headed Giant's different from normal Two Headed Giant. So, yeah. And having to judge Two Headed Giant is an experience.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, indeed. Um, is there anything we wanted to talk about as far as community news before we just jump right into the Ether Vault pre release?
1: Uh, Not particularly Like not a whole lot I mean we're kind of In that dead zone right now Of like any crazy news Going on Um, I mean VSL Finally finished Their play-in tournament Oh yeah Who actually uh, Who got in I missed that last night
0: Uh, Reed lost in the finals To Kevin I believe Ah Yeah I'm happy um,
1: it's back though Can't wait for
0: the Full run of uh, VSL It's good, good stuff Apparently they're changing The format a little bit So it's not just the whole Like 10 person round robin Huh
1: yeah, because it feels like it's weird. more
0: gonna be like a weekly showcase where people will play one deck one week, and then you might get see different people the next week.
1: Hey, man, I'm up for different things and testing it out. So let's see how it works. Oh yeah. Anyway, but, so let's uh, go ahead yeah, and dive in to the like, Ether Revolt pre-release. Yeah, because like I said, we're in a dead zone. Uh, the actual set release is this weekend. Um, you know, pre- or actual release drafts are gonna be happening. Uh, release events, actually, as well, are gonna be happening all over. Uh, LGS, LGS is, is doing a midnight draft of yeah, the Revolt. Yeah, I've done one of those before. Uh, it is I'm, fun. Yeah, it's fun, but I'm, I'm of the perspective now it's like, okay, I don't need to necessarily play at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that crazy into it. But You also have a job that requires you to get up before the sun's up. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it's on Friday, so it's going into the weekend, so it's no big deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, we're we'll start with me today. Uh, and... Uh, like I said, I mentioned I did 2 a Giant uh, doing my girlfriend, and it was actually pretty fun. Uh, we went to Mox Boarding House. Real quick, um, uh, no.
0: real quick, the, the rules with 2 a Giant, in case anybody
1: isn't aware. You I have two know, people.
0: Gonna, Are you going to do that later?
1: No, I'm just going to get into it right after this,
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: Come on, John! <laughs> ah! Alright, go ahead. Yeah. And anyway, so um, we went to Mox Boarding House, which is in Bellevue. Um, it's the sister store of Card Kingdom. It, you see a ton of other Content creators out there, you know, praising Car Kingdom, and there's a reason why they're a great store. If you're ever in the Seattle area, check either one of those two stores out. Uh, so, anyway, went there to play some Two-Headed Giant. Now, Two-Headed Giant is a interesting format where you have uh, you get like a sealed pool, but depending on whether it's pre-release or regular, depends on the amount of packs you get. Uh, you combine your packs with your partner and you build a seal two sealed decks from that. Uh, you share a life total of 30 life and you play uh, another pair against you. There's only one game, no sideboarding. And trust me, the games go long. Like you play your full 50 minute round, but it's only one game. So you have 30 life shared. So for instance, if a card, for a good good example, this is Thermo Alchemist. It says um, you tap, deal one damage to each opponent. Each opponent means where if you're playing single player, that's gonna hit one. If it's in two headed giant, it hits two for two. Uh, there are some cards in the set that I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's a red card that you tap it, There's... sack an artifact, and yeah, the three, deals three two mana, damage. two three. Yeah, I'm pulling up the card image gallery now. I actually faced off against an opponent that had two of those on the battlefield with two servos, and I was like, mm, "That's eight damage," because <laughs> you tap it, sack an artifact, deals two damage to each opponent. So with that it would hit us for four with one sacrifice but we'll get into the game on that one a little bit uh so it's actually really fun uh during a normal event you get was eight packs right john
0: yes it is so for this set it would be if i know my breakdown if i remember my breakdown correctly it would be six probably five ether revolt three kaladesh i'm not sure on that
1: breakdown though yeah, uh, but anyway, so this is a pre-release, so you're getting your pre-release packs. Now, they don't differentiate between two giant and regular, so you're getting your full six packs uh, in there. Uh, Four of uh, Aether Revolt to a Kaladesh. So you actually have a larger pool of 12 packs to work with, which the thing that basically leads is you're going to see a lot more rares. The bombs are going to... You have 12 chances at like a pretty decent bomb. And even uncommons are great, too. So it's really, really... Great, but it's hard to base sealed, like actually how Cal or Aether Vault sealed is going to be and get uh, even an idea of it because you're dealing with 12 packs worth of cards. Uh, um, by the way, the card you're thinking of is Emberl Gear Smasher. That's it. Yeah, Gear Smasher's pretty good. So, one thing I wanted to mention though is I don't know what it was. So, w- the guy was walking, the people were walking around with the boxes and stuff, handing it out, and I guess they just had like two f- left over from another box they had on top of theirs. So, Lindsay and I got those two boxes. And then everyone else at our table got ones from the other uh, full case of pre-lease boxes. We ha- I don't know if it's a weird print run or it's just chalk it up to being a small set, but we had a like, really weird amount of cards. We had six of Chandra's Revolution, <laughs> which is the three and a red, uh, deals four damage, and taps down a land, or and, and basically freezes over an opponent's land for a turn. Six of them out of eight packs is kind of crazy at common. Um, we had five metallic rebukes, which is the uh, counterless opponent pays three counterspell uh, that you can use improvise with. Uh, four of the night market guard, which is the uh, one of the common three artifact. mana three one that can block an additional creature. Yep, we had four iron tread crusher, which is just your bog standard four mana six six crew three vehicle. And we had four consulate turrets, which is the three mana tap. You get a three mana artifact tap, get an energy, and then you tap, pay three energy. It deals two damage to target player. Um, We actually ended up with like so. How we laid it out is we just looked at our stacks of cards. We ended up with more artifacts overall than black cards, which was kind of weird. Well,
0: I I remember thinking after looking at the set and then reading some of Mark's articles that. He mentions that Ether Revolt is a much more artifacts Matters set than Kaladesh, and the commons really do kind of lean towards that. Um, while I didn't play, I did get a bunch of uh, packs for compensation purposes, and I had several packs where I would open two to three implements or two to three of the Automaton cycle, um, and just you just get so many artifacts that it's not it's not even funny.
1: Oh yeah, and I ended up one of my rares was actually or one of my foils was actually like I think the the white uh, implement. So it's just one of those obviously it was like a lot of artifacts and unfortunately they weren't amazing artifacts so it was, we didn't really play a whole lot so we can mention the cards and stuff like that so we ended up building a not terrible red white vehicles deck um, for Lindsay to play cause she kind of does better with the aggro usually we'll give her the aggro deck and I'll I'll get the control deck or mid range of the two but we ended up with uh, Gosh, I had it and just blanked on it. the 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 vehicle that you can pay one in a white. Oh, Peacewalker Colossus. Yes, Peacewalker Peace Colossus. Colossus. We, yeah, we had we had one of those Colossi in the deck, um, which was great. We had the we had Renegade Freighter. We didn't have the new one. Untethered Express. Yeah, we didn't have the Express. Uh, we had a Fleet Wheel Cruiser, which was pretty good. We didn't have any of the really spicy uh, red, white, uh, gold cards. You know, that would really be like, yes, I'm absolutely playing, jamming this in the vehicle deck. We had the, I, I can never remember the name of it, it's one when, when it taps, it deals two damage to each opponent. Is it two damage? The creature? Yeah, the creature. It's a 3-2. Oh, spire
0: uh, Slot Infiltrator.
1: Yeah, we had an Infiltrator. <laughs> and and we, we actually think it's dealing two because it deals one
0: to each opponent. Right, but we but had it games giant, it turns into two.
1: We had games where that was crewing up our Renegade Freighter so it was hitting for a bunch which was great. Um, and I ended up in a blue green energy ish deck, which was I ended up splashing white for two Spire Patrol because they're really good. <laughs> Plus, yes. there's a lot of flyers. Like our very our first round, we actually faced off, and they were just like flyer, 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 and I'm like, I have no way to deal with these cards. <laughs> so, uh, it wasn't actually it was it's really fun. Um, so if you ever get a chance to play Giant, I highly recommend it. If you're looking for just a fun casual kind of thing. Uh, it does get kind of weird, like trying to build and piece together two separate you know, decks from one. It's like, well, this would be great in my deck, but it could also do well in your deck, uh, but it does slightly better in yours. So here you have it in yours. One thing about our pool is we had a kind of weakish, I guess, even with 12 packs, relatively weak pool. Uh, black wise, our, our, most of our rares were black. We had four of them in that, and two of them were the Aetherborn Lord. Oh, the Midnight Entourage. Yeah, we had two of the Entourage, but outside of those two cards, we only had two other Aetherborn in our entire pool. <laughs> that that's rough. Yeah, so it was just like, oh man, like, and it, and that's one thing I actually want to ask you. Like, do you think it's worth trying to go in the black and playing those cards, even if you only have just one, like those two plus two other Aetherborn? And even so... then, it was it was the three-one menace we had, and then we got to foil one of the Revolt gives minus three, minus three.
0: Uh, well, the 3-mana the, the three 3-2 three, that revolts to kill things is actually just silly good. I've seen it kill so many things over the course of the weekend. Um, I don't know about the Entourage, just, like, on its own.
1: Yeah. that. But that's the, a...
0: the added value of just being able to say, oh, my Aetherborn dies, I get to draw a card, seems all right.
1: Yeah, I had enough ways to get fixing. I was actually, like, kind of kicking myself the entire, like, time. Like, maybe I should have gone green-blue, splashing black for the removal. Because I ended up with... Uh, the minus two, minus two. Uh, cruel Finality. Yeah, I have I have three of those in the pool. And, yeah, it was just one of those, like, maybe I should have gone with that. Cause I had a tight conclusion. I wouldn't have gotten the artifact claws off them. But I did end up using Trinket Mage a couple uh, times. Oh, Trophy Mage. Oh, Trophy Mage, yes. Not Trinket. Trophy Mage to grab the uh, Scry Automaton. Ooh, nifty. And an Electrostatic Pummeler. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> yeah like I said I had an energy deck so I was basically generating a lot of energy I had like a, uh, a two with aether and two of the wow. Well, I'm just terrible with names tonight but the uh, the scry energy guy the one three
0: Oh, aether theorist.
1: yes I had aether theorist two of them uh, a bunch of other ones I also had two of the uh, spire side it's the new two on flyer that whenever it deals damage to a, a player you oh, get the additional- skyship plunderer. That's it, skyship plunderer. Yeah, I had two of those in the deck as well. So it was just like, Ooh. I was just like, um, hit this, gain an energy, hit this, gain, put a counter on the guy. Yeah, so it was, it was doing some serious work. Um, I actually had to sequence through a, a, a pummeler because remember I mentioned those that guy with the uh, two of the gear smashers. He also had the herald of torment.
0: Oh, the discard guy.
1: Yeah, he had that out there, which remember, you can sacrifice it and get. You can sacrifice and play like one of Black Sack and Artifact, give something minus two, minus two. So I had to. I was like, all right, pump it, trigger for the Herald, pump it again, trigger for the Herald, pump it again, (laughs) just to save it. That is rude. Yeah, but it was. uh, The worst part is, is like, I didn't really have much pump spells, but Lindsay had a Built a Smasher 2 in her deck, so we could alternately use that to like just really wreck people with the pummeler Uh, we got our opponents to two in like both of our first two rounds um the other one we just lost because we got them down to two and then it kind of stalled out and then they were able to go over us with those flyers like we mentioned we just couldn't handle their flyers Uh, round two we got our opponent down to two and we're like okay they've got we had a bunch of creatures on board they only had like four like three or four left and they had just swung at us to knock us down to like 18 and i'm like Alright, I think we can do... I think we got this. Uh, then they play the aura that's like... Plus 3, plus 0, flying. The one for vehicles? Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, it's like plus 3, plus 0, flying or whatever the heck it is. Um, the white card. Trying to think. Um,
0: aerial modification?
1: Yes. They, yeah, they played aerial modification on one of their guys. And then they had a... Larger than life. And I'm like... They had... Because they're, they're, their guys, they showed 12. And that enough was to... Put them to one over lethal, and I'm like, they had the tricks. <laughs> Sometimes
0: they just have it.
1: Yeah, well, and I also actually mistapped. Uh, technically, I probably could have saved us if I had. So that turn, I actually had cast Reverse Engineer, which, by the way, is a hilariously good card. It's the three blue blue with uh, improvise to draw three cards. I keep it's thinking really, that
0: card's common, but it's an uncommon.
1: It's really good. Um,. I think the cheapest I cast it for was three, mm. uh, but this one I should have left up that uh, the automaton that uh-huh. I had out the scry scribe, scribe automaton, but I tapped it and ended up when I went worked on my stuff I ended up having one blue left over and I was like I probably could have just tapped the man and left the blocker up, and that probably would have blocked just enough to save us. Uh, either way, it was fun round three. <laughs> Mulligan, like so. Also, I forgot to mention this. Uh, the rule. I don't know if it's a rule with two at a giant, but at Mox they did. You get one free mull. Uh,
0: anytime you have three or more players in a game of Magic, you do get one free mulligan. There we so go. That's just, that's just a Magic rule.
1: Okay, cool. So yeah, we had the one free mulligan. So Lindsay took one land, had a one lander, took the mulligan, took the free mulligan. One lander took the mulligan to six. No land, or no, it was no lander on the second seven. One lander again on the th- on the six. And then we went to five with the one lander, bottom it. And it's just like, okay, (laughs) we got this. Turns out she only drew, and she had one mountain in hand and had a bunch of, like, a couple two mana spells, a built a smash, and a couple of three mana spells. We're like, all right, she's going to get some mana here. Eventually we'll be fine. We lost on, like, turn 11 or 12, and she had two mountains in play. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, she, but everything she had was really good in hand um that if she had just drawn like even like a slight amount of land we would have been perfectly fine but it was a situation where it just started snowballing after like turn five or six where it's like i was actually i'd actually dump my hand use reverse engineer to draw three more cards and dump the rest of my hand and Lindsay had still only drawn that one extra mountain well so yeah it's just one of those like two versus one kind of games and it stunk that it didn't happen, or we didn't happen to uh, win out. We just dropped after that one instead of a fourth round. Uh, you know, sometimes you go three, yeah. sometimes you 4 it. So, either way, I had an absolute blast with her. And I find that it's incredibly awesome to have somebody that I can, you know, share the game with. Um, I know we're kind of getting a little bit skewing away from just the prelude itself, but just having a, even if it's a friend you guys have, or in this case, my girlfriend, just having somebody in your life who I mean, she's not as crazy about magic as I am, but she still enjoys the game. Loves playing, um, plays easy EDH mostly and draft. And she, she loves flaunting that she actually destroys me in draft, which is actually kind of true. <laughs> I am, I do not have a winning lifetime record against her in draft. So, <laughs> Espe- especially when it comes to, uh, Oh, conspiracy. Ooh. She does. She does really good at conspiracy draft. Uh, But it's fun. Uh, I can't wait to do it again. Um, Obviously, we'll be doing it again. uh, Just hopefully for the next set, depending on, you know, work. Who knows? However, uh, one other thing I noticed is nobody seemed to be opening fatal pushes. (laughs) Someone commented, like, man, I've seen, I've, like, in round three, it's like, yeah, I've played against, like, three other black decks and nobody had a fatal push. And I'm like, weird. I mean, it is an uncommon. So you're not going to see it all the time. Well, yeah, but like I mentioned, you have everybody has like eight packs of Aether Revolt to open and like nobody was getting it. And I'm like, it is a little weird. But it's but it's no, not but either. out of the realm of possibility. Oh no, but every but again, it's one of those cases where it's a card that everyone's looking to see, but and when no one sees it, it's like, oh, okay, no one's getting it. But meanwhile, if you have some other card that probably no one's opening or whatever like that. Um, I did have somebody open next to me. So, we got there a little bit early. They're around the first event Actual pre-release ran a little bit late into hours, so when I got there, it was there were still like 20 minutes left in their round. So one of the guys had finished and was opening his prize packs and opened a engineered explosives. And let me tell you, the engineer explosive masterpiece is gorgeous. Oh yeah, uh, in person, uh, the foiling on it's really cool. And I actually got to see Marshall there. <laughs> Turns out he had actually been in uh, Denver. Seeing Luis, and it was on the train back towards his house. And his buddy's like, "Hey, dude, pre-release." He's like, "I'm on the train." It's like, "Yeah, what station? I'll pick you up." <laughs> so he went like from a he went from like a train to actually um, to running a pre-release and forewrote it. <laughs> Marshall, like we we walked up, we walked up, we 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 were like waiting in line. We got to the front of the line, which is right, right next to table one. And as he was signing a slip, and I was like, oh, hey, Dex." I'm like, oh, hey, what's Marshall?" <laughs> like, "Oh boy." That was great. So yeah, I saw
0: Marshall's tweet where he opened like Ether Sphere Harvester, the three mana three five flyer that you can pay an energy to give it lifelink.
1: Yeah, he was telling me like that card is an absolute house. Yeah, like, I, I don't
0: think it, I saw a game or a match where when someone resolved it that
1: that person didn't win. Oh yeah, and the or uh, both players had it and the match went to time. Yes, yeah, so when we got our box when we got, when we got our boxes to open the people sitting across from us, one of them actually opened a promo oh. harvester and yeah. also ended up with, like, a foil heart of Kirin. I was like, Ooh. man, luck. <laughs> Some people
0: get all the luck.
1: Yeah, I ended up with the—it's uh, still in its plastic wrap. It's the merchant's dock hand. <laughs> the oh, the, one, uh, the squire
0: the, that impulses when you tap artifacts?
1: Yeah, it's a one-mana, two-one artifact creature construct. I think it's you a one-two. It's a one-two. No bad. I said one, three, because I was thinking three and a blue, tap. And if you have to pay three and a blue, tap the dock hand, and tap X untapped artifacts you control. Look at the top X cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I don't think it's that great. Unless, um. you, unless you're, unless you like, a token-generating deck, or have a lot of, like, implementations or puzzle knots or whatever, and you just, like, tap in response to something, it just... Felt slow. It can really help you dig if you're trying to find one specific card. But yeah, I just didn't have enough artifact creating things. So one thing I also mentioned like before like we had a lot of like payoff cards, like the ones that are like you need the setup for, build around kind of things. Right. Or we had the cards that help you set up. So we had the setup cards for a strategy that you didn't have the payoff for. And we had the payoff for stuff that we didn't have the setup.
0: Which is kinda rough.
1: It is kind of rough, but it's sealed. <laughs> It is sealed. You you are at the mercy of your packs. Yes, absolutely. So, mercy of packs aside, I enjoyed it. Um, I was considering going out for another one, but I didn't get out in time. And the one uh, store I was going to go to actually sold out by the time uh, for the pre-release I was hoping to get to down in Olympia. The one I did for Kaladesh, uh, I was going to try going there like, yeah, yeah, we're actually really swamped because apparently people love the set. And to be fair, this, uh, Aether Revolt seems like an amazing set to pair with Kaladesh. I, oh, yeah. Definitely enjoyed the like. I definitely enjoyed the games that I was playing. Like, still, nice skill intense. Um, obviously the bombs are gonna pull in one direction. So, that's with every set. But doesn't seem like there's too many bombs out there in terms of like I play this, I win. So
0: yeah, there's a few of those cards that I've that I that I observed uh, over the weekend. But they're they're, 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 in, most of the in, games impro- are close.
1: Improvise is a heck of a mechanic.
0: That is definitely true.
1: So John. Yes, Mr. Judge, yes. Tell, us, uh, tell us how your weekend went.
0: So I judged five events over at uh, my local game store, Comic City 2, up in Madison. Um, they did five events over the course of the weekend. Uh, midnight pre-release, as per usual. 11 a.m. pre-release. A 5 p.m. pre-release. That was all on Saturday. Uh, then at 1 p.m. on Sunday, they did a Two at a Giant. And then at 6 p.m. on Sunday, they did a Last Chance uh, pre-release event. Um, all the first three events were four rounds. The last two events were three rounds. Um, and as you might guess, there was not a lot of time in between certain events to kind of de-stress. Um, and I got there for, and I went there for FNM and we did a, we did a Kaladesh draft and I drafted a silly little deck. Anyways, the, so the midnight pre-release starts, we leave about five. Uh, me and my friends decide to go get breakfast. Um, we eat, I get home at eight, I sleep for two hours get up, drive back to the store, stay there for another roughly 10 hours, leave and sleep for like 10 hours because trying to judge and keep your 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 mental acumen up through some very long events can be very very tiring even if I wasn't the one playing.
1: Yeah, remember kids, treat your judges kindly. <laughs> they're 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 going through the same kind of mental fatigue you are. Yeah. Um So, while I didn't play, I did see a lot of notable things.
0: Uh, Over the course of all five events, I think I saw about eight to nine masterpieces opened. Um, I saw Static Orb, two Meek Stones, Engineered Explosives. Um, I saw Vidalcan Shackles. I saw... Oh, God, what else was there? Uh, Chalice of the Void. And I think that was it?
1: So the,
0: The person who opened Vidalcan Shackles in their prize packs
1: opened another Shackles, though
0: so that person Jeez. has two
1: of them <laughs> yeah I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna ask about the shackles like so say you're opening a pack in a draft and you crack a f- shackles do you take that and yes. just like go slam I'm going in blue ignoring masterpiece value yes yeah just like I mean it's gotta be like a great card regardless
0: I mean I don't want to play that in a deck with fewer than 12 islands uh, and this person decided that they were just gonna go you know what I like blue normally. Like, I have, like, three mono-blue commander decks. I'm just going to play mono-blue. <laughs> so, they okay. just play 17 islands
1: and a bunch of artifacts and blue spells and Vidalcan Shackles. I mean... Hey, you do you, buddy. It's pre-released. Have fun. Yep. <laughs> it's uh, not like... Like, you're, like so I know some sorts will have, like, crazy prize payouts, but, I mean, I think... Uh, what's it called? Mox was doing for the Two-Headed Giant. They normally, like, eight... If you four, you get eight packs, so they double it. So... Yeah, it's like you're only playing for like eight packs anyway. It's like, all right, yay, yeah. <laughs> don't need, don't need to spike it hard.
0: Um,
1: the other thing that I noted was that nobody was able to assemble
0: the Sahili plus Felidar Guardian combo in Limited. Uh, got really close because there's one guy who opened Sahili out of a Kaladesh pack and then um, Spire Bluff Canal out of a, their last, their other Kaladesh pack and they were like, come on, Felidar Guardian, and they didn't open a single one. No, ah, was, that was the closest that I think anybody got to actually opening that specific combo in limited.
1: Um, I had seen I had seen people posting on social media like, uh, for their pre-release things. It's like we're doing this, and they're post like the Sahili with the Feldar Guardian. I'm like, yes, come oh, on. Yeah. Um,
0: as a judge, one of my one of the biggest concerns that I have is making sure that when rounds go to time, that players finish their matches after that. Um, for those of you who don't remember, for don't don't know, uh, every round is 50 minutes. At the end of that, your judge is going to say, time is up in the round, active player finished the turn, you have five additional turns. Um, And I think I only had two rounds the entire weekend not go to time. Um, But that tends to happen at pre-releases and sealed a lot. Um, Although there were lots of times where I just saw people get run over by vehicles or very aggressive starts in this format. Um, Like the red decks seem to be very, very aggressive and very, very quick. Uh, The vehicles are also really good. Like Untethered Express, let's be real, it's... It's a hard card to deal with if you don't have
1: the ability to do so. It's probably the mythic uncommon of the set oh, yeah. for sure,
0: easily, easily. Um, the there are a lot of interesting things that did happen though, um, because also as a judge I get called for rules questions a lot. Um, one of the most interesting ones was um, during the two a giant event, I had someone call me over and go, uh, judge, uh, can I use this card? They're pointing in their hand on the crew ability, and they had a disallow in their hand. And, the, and Disallow is one blue-blue instant counter-target spell-activated or triggered ability. And the answer to that question is yes. And what happens when you counter the crew ability? Well, you tapped your creature, and the vehicle is not going to become a creature this turn.
1: Yeah, I actually had a judge question where I was... So, the, I'm just, like, I mentioned the Skyship Plunder I had. It's like, it was the one-in-a-blue 2-1 one human-pirate flying that reads, Whenever Skyship Plunder deals combat damage to a player, for each kind of counter on target permanent or player give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So at the time, the only counters were on my opponent's creatures uh, when I was swinging in with it, uh, just chipping in for some damage. And I, was, I called a judge, I'm like, I can target myself and get zero counters, additional counters. And the judge is like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, because uh, note that card as well as Malfus Revolutionary, which has the same ETB, which has the ETB of that effect, um, they are not maze, they are musts. So, if you don't want to, you don't want to target something of your opponent, or target your opponent if they have energy, or if there's counters on them as well.
1: Yeah, and that's so. Just, just a one little reminder for you out there: if you are, do you have that, and you don't want to give your opponent any counter? It's not some. There are some cards where it's like, this has to happen. But you can, you, you are a legal target with zero counters on you.
0: Oh yeah, like you could target a forest if you wanted to. <laughs> it wouldn't do anything, but you could.
1: Um <laughs> I target my Vivid Marsh. <laughs>
0: See, that's value. Um, so,
1: vivid Marsh, by the way, had a count like as a land that have a counter, and you can tap it, remove a counter, and add a man of any color, as yeah. opposed to it's just a color of land that it was.
0: Yeah, the Vivid cycle are very popular in uh, Commander products um, because they tap for one color of mana, and then they can spend the charge counter tap for any color of mana. But anyways. Yep. Um, as a reminder, when you're asking questions of judges, make sure that you're being very specific about what you mean, because game words have meaning. Uh, for example, this also came up during Two-Headed Giant. We had a lot of rules questions during Two-Headed Giant because sometimes the rules of how certain cards interact with multiple opponents can be tricky. Yes. Uh, and this person was... A ve- they've come to the shop every now and then. They tend to be here for every pre-release, and they had family in town, and they took them to do Two-Headed Giant. And uh, she asked me, um, does this card, which was Ether Meltdown remove death touch from ether poisoner if I put it on there. Aether Poisoner is a one of blo- one of the black for the one one. When it comes into play you get two energy. When it attacks you can spend two energy you get a servo. And it has death touch. Now, she sa- she did ask does it remove death touch? And Ether or Aether Meltdown is one of the blue, flash aura, uh chance of creature or vehicle, the vehicle gets minus four the permanent gets minus four minus zero, and when it comes into play you get you get two energy. Um, that card does not remove death touch. And I had to do the judge thing of you need to ask me the question you actually want the answer to.
1: Yeah. Remember judges can't work you through a, like an actual, like, Hey, this is how this works. You have to basically ask them, this is what I have. This card. I have this card. This is the situation it is, will this work? Will this do this? Yes. No.
0: Yeah. And the answer I told her was the answer to your question is no. Cause it doesn't remove death touch. And I told her after the game, because, again, I'm not allowed to give play advice, and you shouldn't if you're observing a game, said, no, the question you needed to ask is, does a creature with zero or less power with death touch deal combat damage? And the answer to that question is no. Because if a creature with death touch has zero or less power, it won't deal combat damage, so its death touch won't care, because it didn't deal any damage.
1: Yeah, basically the same thing kind of happened with me when I was talking to the judge uh, about my... uh your question is i was kind of like going through it and they were kind of like leaning in like eh, eh, and then i'm like i'm a legal ta- like i am a legal target i will give myself zero counters correct
0: yes make sure you phrase them as yes or no questions
1: yeah and that that's how i was like yeah so this is this i mean i can tack with this i don't have any counters on it my opponent has counters i don't really like want to give them counters i technically am a legal target for this i will get zero counters and like yes you are a legal target i'm like all right sweet
0: oh yeah um now, I did have something happen, because most of our i most of my judge calls happened on Sunday, because it was a long weekend, it was a long day. And uh, this is a situation that happened, um, which reminds me of the number one magic rule that's not really a magic rule, is that always keep track of you and your opponent's life totals. Um, doesn't matter if they're keeping track, always keep track for yourself. Specifically using pen and paper. Because yes. I was watching one of the games, uh, this was late in the round, uh, time was going to be called in about 15 minutes. And... Player A and player bit A was keeping life totals on die. Um, and they had a little, they had an empty dice box that they were using as a kind of like a little stand for their die, which they were using to keep their life total. And then a die to the right of it using to keep their opponent's life total. Player B was not keeping either life total via any means noticeable. Oh, no. And we had a life total discrepancy.
1: Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just want to say I actually, when I first started playing again I was like, oh cool, these spin down counters are so cool I'm just going to use this for this And then as soon as was like, you should really use pen and paper I'm like, why? And it's like, well first of all boop, And they like knocked my life counter I'm like, oh my god, that's an amazing point
0: <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the situation that happened Is that player A won game 1 And they were in the middle of game 2 uh, And player B Was attacking their opponents Had attacked their opponents several times they had a combo in play, and Player A had cast a few non-creature spells. Um, and they had a Midnight Oil in play, and Player A thought that Midnight Oil's trigger was remove two counters, draw an extra card, lose a life, not lose a life when you discard a card. And so he had said, "Well, I'm going to change my life total back up because I've been losing life." Uh, and then, and the life totals at the time were Player A had himself at 15 or at 12 life, and play, he had Player B at six. The problem with that is that player A apparently had not been attacking player B's life total that much, so we had a life total. So that was the the kind of onus of the life total discrepancy. Yeah, never. As a judge, I will default to the person who has pen who has life totals recorded on pen and paper. Didn't have that. I have to lean on the person who had the life totals lined up and tried to recreate life totals based on cards in graveyards and cards that were in play, um, and that was going to be much much harder. Because I was basically going to be going, look, this is what I've seen the entire day. Because uh, Player A had been there the entire day, had been keeping their life total with their D20 on top of this uh, of this empty dice box, and I'm going to lean on the fact that they have done this consistently the entire weekend. And Player B was upset about that. Uh, player B was in was in a winning position, um, and he thought that Player A should be at a lower life total than 12. Um, and what eventually what happened is player A said, you know what? I'm just going to concede. I'm, I'm just going to lose I know I'm gonna lose this game. We're just gonna go ahead and go to game three. All right, which is what that's, happened and then at the end player A won in three
1: games. Well, that's kind of good for player A to do that. however, and this is you know, we've mentioned just tr- yes trust your opponent, but do not trust your opponent with your own life total ever.
0: Yeah, always keep track of your life totals, both yours and your opponents
1: like be- because no matter how it might be your best friend you're playing against, and if you trust on them implicitly to control your life total, I hate to say it, but people angle shoot. And they like to angle shoot. Yeah. Uh, don't, player don't, B, don't put yourself in a position to be angle shot.
0: The only thing about player B, which was it's not a knock against them. Uh, they admitted that they mostly played casually. They weren't used to tournament play. Um, and hopefully that this was a little bit more of a, of a reminder that, oh, this is something that can happen. It can come up. I should keep track of life totals myself. Um, and unfortunately that's what happened. Um, if this wasn't a pre-release, I probably wouldn't have been as lenient. Um, same with several of the people who asked me questions over the weekend, like for the player who asked me, um, just ether meltdown, remove death touch. I would, if this was a PPTQ or if this was a P, or if this was a GP, I would have said, no, it doesn't because no. at that level, that's a different rules enforcement level. It's not regular. It's not a pre-release. You have, there are different rigors for that now,
1: basically so I, so I have a question regarding this kind of thing could the player who could player b who was not keeping track of their own life total potentially be given a warning in a more you know competitive setting because they're failing to maintain they're failing to track their board state i guess you could say like life totals um, is that, i don't think that life
0: totals count as a board state um, violation um i'm sure that there is some sort of warning that you could give them but i'm not sure what it is um, that would be a question for a judge who's who has actually judged GPS and has judged those comp and plus level events.
1: Well, there you um, go. There's something. That, there's something you can ask.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, uh, but but it's just one of those things. Like I mean, I feel. I mean, I feel like this judge would give at least if there is no rule would give a stern like you need to track your own life totals. Yeah. Kind of.
0: Because again, the judges are always going to default to the person who has the life totals written down. And if there's a discrepancy, the players can try to talk through them. And, like, you don't have to do the whole notes where it's like, okay, I was at 20. Then you hit me with an Ether Chaser down to 18. uh, Then I gained three life um, from an Essence Extraction. So that put me from 18 to 21. Like, you don't need to, to, like, write all those down. But if you have, like, you went from 20 to 18 to 15, back up to 19, down... If you have at least those... And you can, and you and your opponent can recreate how those life total, how the life totals changed. That will more or less get you back to the weight to the right place you started.
1: Yeah, and something I always like to do is if so, say, say, say there's a turn where like I swing my opponent, hit him for damage, and then pass the turn, then they hit me for damage and stuff like that. Before I go to my next turn, I'm like, all right, hold on, I've got you at this, and I've got me at this, good. And if they yeah. say good, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, making sure uh, that everybody is uh, is that
0: is that, the, is that the right life totals is also important.
1: Yeah, I always just go and I always go right into untap up, up, upkeep, draw kind of thing. So yeah, Um, a few other cards that caught my eye from just walking around. Um,
0: There were a few people who were playing Paradox Engine who shouldn't have been uh, because it didn't do anything. Um, I never saw a player bridge in play. Nothing. (laughs) Yeah, it does nothing. Um, Walking Ballista was is probably one of the MVPs of the cards that I kind of underrated personally, and then it just I just saw it continuously do a ton of work. Um, just over and over and over again. Uh, Lifecrafter's Beastry, the three-mana artifact that you scry one on your upkeep, and whenever you cast a creature, pay green to draw a card. Every time I saw that card in play, it was just doing something ridiculous every single time.
1: A.K.A. the Pokedex.
0: Oh, yeah, the Pokedex, which I (laughs) love that name. Um, Winding Constrictor was the card that I had to read the rulings for before people asked me questions, because I had the questions myself, uh, for example, uh, before this, Ian and I were both watching the um, AFK stream for Loading Ready Run, where they were cracking a case for um, Yellow Jacket, and Cam brought up the question of what hap- like what happens if I have Winding Constrictor and, and Scrounging Bunder, which was the one in the green zero zero comes in play with two counters, and on your upkeep you can move those counters to another creature.
1: That card that is good.
0: <laughs> that card is really good. Um, that combo actually does work because I thought at first like. That doesn't work, because normally when you move counters, those type of effects don't take into effect. But then I read the rulings, and it did say that, and I go, okay, well, if that's the case, then that's what's going to happen. And I had several people who either had widening constrictor and double scrounging bender, or scrounging bender and double widening constrictor, and it just got silly.
1: Yeah, uh, I had an opponent that was green-white counters, and let me tell you, that deck is just ridiculous.
0: Uh, other card by card notes, uh, Tezzeret the Schemer's minus ability, minus two, or minus two, is plus X minus X. Everyone keeps saying it's minus X minus X. It's not. It's plus X minus X.
1: Huh.
0: So, like, mm-hmm. if you had one artifact, you could, give, you could give one of your creatures plus one minus one to hit harder, basically. Oh, um, so, people,
1: people would just be like, it's a negative. It's like, no, it, you
0: can actually boost your stuff. I mean, <laughs> ideally, it's, it's going to be a kill spell most of the time. And that's mostly what you're going to be doing. Um,. But But there's several Tezzeret Emblems in play as well, which was fun. Oh, nice. Um, I actually didn't didn't play against any Planeswalkers this weekend. Hmm. Nifty. Um, See, I'm just looking through the set right now, trying to find some other notable cards that I saw. Uh, Monster's Onslaught was apparently always a house whenever it was cast. Um, That was the three green green sorcery. You deal X damage, divided as you choose among any creatures, or X is the highest power among creatures as you cast it
1: yeah like the kind of green one-sided wrath or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it um uh, i know i faced down an oath of a johnny at one point that was kind of funny they, mm-hmm. they literally had it just as a way to just like i'm just gonna put more counters on my stuff because yeah. they have one of the scrounging vendors out and they're just like oh more counters go on it and i'm like why
0: speaking of white enchantments uh call of unity or call to unity the three white white revolt put a counter on it your creatures get plus one plus one for each counter on it
1: that card's real Lindsay uh-huh. had that in her deck. She, uh, she had a 4-4 servo token at one point. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, other cards that end the game almost exactly on the spot without an answer is Etherwind Basker. Uh, for those who don't know, because it's a mythic, you might not have seen it. It's Here 4 it green, green, easy. green for a mythic lizard, a 7-7 trample. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy for each creature you control. Pay an energy, Etherwind Basker, Basker gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I saw this creature swing for 19.
1: Yeah, like, if you have even three or four creatures out And you slam that down there That's four energy, because it doesn't count itself, right? It does count itself Oh, so five energy and then you, always, gets... you always get
0: at least one off of it Unless and then it
1: if dies. you And then if you swing, you get another five And then, ooh, wow, that's plus ten Plus yep. ten Ha ha ha, 17 damage coming at you uh,
0: There were several Consulate Dreadnoughts Given Siege Modification over the course of the weekend
1: So, uh, alright, actually, question for you um, Siege Modification Yes What's your
0: take? Um, it's very good in an aggressive deck, it's not very good otherwise, and I don't think I would have played Consulate Dreadnought just because I had Siege Modification.
1: See, we, like, Lindsay's deck had four vehicles That's probably it. still fine depending on how many creatures you had. We yeah, well, yeah, we had like four vehicles and we were considering putting one of them in there. I don't remember if we did or not, but it was like one of those like last minute cuts if we did. Yeah. But I figure it's, it's the, uh you know, the Colossus. Uh, a fleet wheel cruiser. Oh, it was a um. The other one was the, oh, gosh, the sixth one, with haste. Oh, oval chase dragster. Yeah, we had oval chase dragster, fleet wheel cruiser, um, peace walker colossus, peace walker colossus, and a renegade freighter in the deck. Yeah. also that, peace walker was, colossus is silly good, by the way. Just it F1. is. Yeah, if you get a peace walker colossus and you want to just as your pack one pick one, and you want to just go into vehicles, do it. Yeah, I saw a lot um, of people playing the uh the the one that gets the velocity counters on there oh the uh,
0: daredevil whatever
1: yeah also if I
0: can find its exact name
1: also the one that when it attacks you untap a creature so you basically just give your crewer vigilance
0: so so the first vehicle was daredevil
1: Dragster and then the second one was mobile garrison mobile garrison well one of our opponents had two mobile garrisons in play Mm. and would tap two of their aetherborn which had like uh it was one of them was the the one that gets plus one plus oh death touch from right. Kaladesh. So they would tap it to crew it and then untap it. And then it's just like, I can't block. You know, like, they have a blocker and they're attacking and it's, uh, Yeah. Mobile Garrison, I think, is actually
0: underrated how good it is.
1: Mobile Garrison is good. Like, just, yeah. especially if you're, if you have that Peacekeeper Colossus and you have a Mobile Garrison, you could just artificially crew up your Mobile Garrison and then crew your Colossus, swing with the Mobile Garrison to get your thing that crewed the Colossus back.
0: Um, there was a line that I saw in one game where somebody had a pacif- or pacification array, the tapper uh, with mobile garrison and there were several times where they could decide to untap their uh, they, they tapped a blocker attacked with the garrison and they could have untapped their array to tap something else that's gross it is gross, another card that I was really impressed with seeing was gremlin infestation I think there are a few people still kind of cold on it because it costs 4 mana but I think that card is just good which one's that one again? It's the, it's the stab wound on artifacts.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought that's what it was. Okay.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, when, it die, and when the artifact dies, you get a 2-2. Two, two. I mean, that um, card's fine.
1: Yeah, for like 2 at a Giant, I don't think... I think we had one in our pool. We just didn't play it because yeah. it's one of those... In 2-Headed Giant, there is no sideboarding. Uh, so it's not one of those like, oh, we saw artifacts in game one and it's bringing it out for game two. It's like every round is completely different. So I just didn't feel like it was worthwhile. It could have been just a straight-up dead card. Yeah. I mean, granted, it is an artifact-based set, so odds are you might face at least one artifact. But at the same time, it's just like, eh.
0: oh yeah. Um, also, on the note of trophy mages that you play or that you had in your deck, um, somebody was playing uh two trophy mages in their pool because lucky, and then they had um, they had a few three mana artifacts they could get, including like um, watchful automaton, and they also had lifecrafter's Beastry in their deck, so they had just like three copies of their rare. And it was just like ugh. That's disgusting. That's cool.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. It was really good. It was really cool. Also, um, reminder: scry is just really good.
0: Yeah, scry is good.
1: Like I don't, re- I don't remember the name of that automaton, but there were times where I was, I would scry at least five or six times a game off that mm-hmm. thing. Even the, um, aether theorist. There were games where like I didn't even care about my energy. I was just using that to scry. It's like, uh, end step scry up keep scry,
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, And then the last card that I really wanted to to talk about, to put a little bow on, was um, Exquisite Archangel, which was the 7-mana 5-5 flyer that, if you would lose the game, exile it and just put your life total back to your starting life total. Most of the time I saw that card just eat a removal spell or its attacking would win the game or it would hold off attackers because it's a 5-5 and that's pretty big. I actually did see it reset the game once. Huh. And it was a Giant. Oh... The the team that was attacking had a untethered express with 12 plus one plus one counters on it. What the? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is insanity. The only reason that the other team was able to survive was because they landed the pacifi- pacification array to tap the untethered express. That's bananas. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, it was the only time oh I saw my. it reset the game, but... It was it was kind of silly that is one heck of a way to reset the game <laughs> granted no, they yeah. still that that team still ended up losing because they just couldn't draw enough blockers for their opponent um, for their opponents attackers well but yeah it was I mean, it was interesting to just see it actually just actually reset the game once and it was fantastic yeah I mean
1: I this definitely seems like fun I definitely want to try like I'll, I'll probably be doing it a couple things online of just since they're not actually doing uh, pre-release events anymore online and to be perfectly honest with you thank goodness for that one
0: yeah it kind of it was kind of silly that that moto would get the, the pre-release like the week of the release or the week after the release
1: it was the week it's like the week after the release like the you'd have yeah. like the cards would be out on paper you'd have to wait a week and then i know people who are trying to test for a pro tour would have like only a week to test with the cards online and there's like no nah, we're just gonna move it up but yeah. i might try a sealed or two because sealed seems like it's actually going to be pretty fun in this format
0: yeah, I'm excited to to draft this format to see how different it is from Kaladesh.
1: Um, uh, I don't remember the person's name, but I know they are on Team Haruya. And uh, I saw the Haruya English account retweet them saying like they've been doing a ton of drafts of it uh, in prep for the Pro Tour. And they're saying that it feels completely different from Kaladesh. So who knows we'll if that's see. just one corner case or not, but... People seem to be enjoying the draft so far, so...
0: Like, I don't... Because I had the initial read on Renegade Map, uh, which also, everybody misplayed that, too, thinking it came into play untapped, which it doesn't. It comes into play tapped. Uh, the one where you can pay... W- where it's one to cast, and you can tap and stack it to get a basic land put into your hand. I thought that that was, like, the second coming of tune with Ether, where you could have more different three-color decks. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the case yet. Um, I really need to see how the vehicles change everything, because... With everybody saying that, you know, Kaladesh was an incredibly fast format, I feel like it tended more towards the middle, um, and I'm interested to see if Aether Revolt either speeds it up or slows it down.
1: Yeah, I actually lucked out. I had Aether Hub in my deck, so that'd be kind of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Granted, Attune with Aether is much better when you have, like, the energy payoff cards, whereas Renegade Map is really good if you have Improvise or if you have Revolt things you care about. Um, but oh, oh I'm- totally. I'm intrigued at, at the very least to see uh, where this format ends up.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something I know John and I are definitely going to talk about and draft a bunch, and we'll definitely talk more as the format develops. Um, I honestly can't wait. I forget, is SCG doing an event this weekend? I think they usually do.
0: They usually do, but I know that they recently had a cutback on their events, so I am unsure if there's an SCG event today or this weekend.
1: Huh. Interesting, but yeah, uh, they I'm reached, definitely one of the
0: big things that they did is they went to a uh, a different. they instead of doing three seasons a year, they're doing two seasons, uh, and there is an open this weekend. On, yes, Columbus in, in Columbus.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely gonna be looking forward to that and seeing what it, comes It's the out one
0: of... where your where their play mat is banned. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, oh yeah. God, open, I forgot about... most opens and GPS have their own play mats. Uh, in this case. Uh, the the playmat for SCG Columbus is Smuggler's Copter.
1: I think that's just Star City Games' open playmat, period for season one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. your 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 playmat is banned. Sorry for anybody who goes to do a standard open uh, event. <laughs> you you have, admittedly, it's a really good art, but your card your playmat is banned. Well, not your playmat, your card. <laughs> it's yeah, you it's, can play the playmat, uh, but somebody will give you dirty looks. I'm sure. I mean. You can't really blame them, though, at that point, because it's just, like... You yeah. Really it really can't, like... We, we did talk about this the other week with how it came out of nowhere, but... Yeah. I'm, I, but I am really excited to see um, if... Because one of the things I've been noticing a lot of people are saying is, like, the Aetherworks Marvel decks aren't dead. They're just weaker. And I want to see if they're just, like, all right, are we still going all in on the Aetherworks plan, or is that just kind of a side plan? Because Ulamog is still a card.
0: Well, the big thing that I noticed that that everybody's been hinting, or ho- not even hinting at, just talking about, is that when they banned Iavugan, they wanted to, they didn't want to nuke the Eldrazi deck out of orbit. They just right. wanted to make it weaker than it was. And they succeeded. Eldrazi Temple still lets you do like turn two, thought not series, but it doesn't let you get a turn three or turn four win.
1: There's, um, a, there's a reason Noble Heroic's a $60 card again. <laughs> it's being played in infect and ban Eldrazi. Yeah. So they they did succeed in nerfing the deck to a playable mid range strategy as opposed yeah. to pure aggro.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what their similar take was for for the standard bannings. Now, granted, red white vehicles is might be effectively dead without Looter Scooter, but Greenback Delirium can still exist without Embercool, and Marvel can still technically exist without Embercool as well. And blue white is just going to be fine without reflector mage. Like I mean, you lose four, you lose a four four of creature, but you have ways of recouping
1: that. Yeah. And so I know we mentioned, I know we mentioned it for how unfair it is in limited play. But I always, I've been wondering if Aether Sphere Harvester can get in there um, in some in a certain deck. Like I mean, not even as a four of, but like maybe sideboard card bring it in in some decks that you're going to be running energy because.
0: Well, that gets into the thing of Aether Sphere Harvester and Fatal Push are very. Easily, easily to point out developer cards to answer Smuggler's Copter. Just yeah. easily pointed out clean answers to Smuggler's Copter. One kills it outright, the other just blocks it for days and gains you life. Um, and the question is, without the appropriate prey, will the Predator dominate the environment? I don't know Fish. if that's true about Fatal Push. But sphere Harvester is really close, I think, to just... Maybe now it's the busted vehicle
1: in, in Standard. Um, I mean, it does get hit by stuff like Spell Queller.
0: Yeah, yeah but, like Spell queller is keeping everything down.
1: But I'm saying like this is, it, it could be like something you might want to bring in out of your sideboard is, okay, I see Spell Quellers, let me, you know.
0: It might also be the first real control vehicle.
1: Yeah, I mean, just always have something on the board and, you know, threat of activation and crewing it up. And then, I mean, there were team or energy mid-range decks last yeah. standard. So this feels like something that can, you know, get in there and just, you know, have a spare energy or two lying around to you know give that lifelink
0: yeah so it'll be interesting to see to see how standard develops from here as well I'm excited uh, also another thing to point out for as far as the standard bannings I know we're getting a little we've, we've kind of closed the book on our pre-release pre-release thoughts um, they couldn't ban spell queller because every broken combo in standard loses to spell queller yeah that is crackdown, true crackdown construct the one that combos with fumarole is 4 mana marvel is four mana like all the broken things all the silly combos in standard all lose to spell queller
1: i need to see what decks out there to build for game day
0: <laughs> i'm sure i think Pummeler is still gonna be fine i haven't actually sat down and really thought about what my changes are gonna be um the the, the first card on my radar for adds into the Pummeler deck for people who may be who might be curious, um, is let me. It's uh, Invigorated Rampage, I believe, is the name of the card. Um, it is the. It's an uncommon. Uh, yeah, Invigorated Rampage, one of the red Still. uncommon instant. Choose one. Target creature gets plus four plus zero and gains trample until end of turn, or two target creatures each get plus two plus zero and gain trample until end of turn. Yeah, seems legit. I don't know if it's got the legs enough to make
1: it. I don't even. But it's at I mean, least I don't even interesting know. enough to yeah. um, to make me consider it. Yeah, I don't even know if it's still going to be decent in terms of like just around I, I don't even know if I would want to move that deck more towards a mid-range style but we'll see oh yeah. did you happen did you happen to see any of the like the durable handicraft or not durable handicraft the one uh, uh, the mythic that generates you know additional vehicles and stuff like that
0: oh which which one are you talking about the or the,
1: the one that you put it on an artifact and it copies it on, on oh key. mechanized
0: production I saw one in play on a servo uh, but the player was unable to keep it around, basically, because uh, so, their opponent was constantly attacking in, making them chump with their servos.
1: So game three, surround so uh, game three, the one that we lost uh, when Lindsay wasn't drawing lands. Uh, our opponent put that on a snare Well, you see, that's going to end the game before my production even wins. <laughs> yeah, that so remember, snare is the three two flyer with haste. <laughs> yeah, that's just so. Like, There's literally like something getting... you
0: put on that's good. That's not even something like you put on that's bad.
1: No, no, they were just like, all right, Snarethopter hit you for three, mechanized production. I'm like, oh, no, next turn hit it for six, next turn hit for nine, and then I'm just like, yeah, we lose.
0: <laughs> no, no, the point is you put it on a bad artifact. They don't want to kill.
1: Oh, no, they went they went hyper-aggressive with it, and I had to say, I was like, yeah, it's fun. I don't I would, blame them. I would have done it, too, because that's hilarious, so.
0: Yeah, that is, that is a, a, a lot of damage headed your way. Hasty damage too, Ugh. so geez. Anyways, um, if that's it, I think we're gonna just go ahead and call it a call it an episode there.
1: Yeah, I mean we had I had a great fun time at the one pre lease I went to. I know John worked his butt off at his five events. Uh, and remember, kids, treat your judges nicely. Yeah, be They're, nice to you your judges, it, especially like. Even if you're like a Jeep here or something like that, remember you're like, oh my god, it's round nine. Blah, blah, blah. Like they've been running around for nine rounds. Like you've been doing the mental math; they've been doing like physical running around.
0: Yeah, and they might get a round off here or there. Yeah, so so like be nice to your judges.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I had a blast in my pre-release. I'm sure you did. I had weird a lot of fun different as well. side of things as well. So it was Good it was times. interesting
0: not playing, but I enjoyed it either way. Yeah. All right. So Ian. Where can people find you on these
1: social medias? You guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks or on Twitter at dixonij. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. So, John, where can they find you?
0: You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch at that same handle. If you see me trolling around a chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at eyesandthemize at gmail.com or, well, that's, that's the email. On Twitter, it's at eyesandthemize salvaged it (laughs) got there yeah um if you want to leave us a review please do so we love to hear your feedback and how we can make the show better for you all thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next time